A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to Forever 35, a podcast about the things we do to take care of ourselves. I am Dori Shafrir. And I'm pretty sure I'm Kate Spencer. You are. And we're, we're not experts. No, Dory. We're just two friends who like to talk about serums. Yep. Which we're going to do today. Yay. I can't Whee! wait. I love a product episode. This is going to be a product heavy episode yeah. because... Buckle up, everyone. Buckle up. <laughs> Strap in. Strap in. Hold on tight. The roller coaster is about to ride. Ooh. I don't know what that was. Uh, Dory, I posted on Instagram a picture of my current night night table. What are those called? Bedside tables? Yes. My current setup. Nightstand? That's, that's what it is. Okay. And I have a new alarm clock and I got a lot of questions about it. And I wanted to discuss it. Let's do real it real quick because um, I'm kind of working with my old therapist. And then, of course, this podcast family that we mm -hmm. have here. Pod fam. Pod fam to improve my bedtime habits. OK, we all know we all know about Kate's phone addiction problem. <laughs> One listener was like responded to the photo was like, but where's your phone? Where are you keeping your phone right now? And I was like, listener. <laughs> back off it's in the bed with me <laughs> just kidding i love you thank you for asking um the phone is currently next to me just because my partner is out of town and i get scared at night were anthony home the phone would be somewhere far away that's just the compromise i've had to reach with myself i think that's fine but i did purchase a new alarm clock and it is by phillips it is one of those circular light alarm clocks it's mm -hmm. not a sun lamp i did have somebody ask if it was a sun lamp it is not it is a sunrise simulation and the way it works is that you set your alarm and you can also set the it's it, google it or i'm going to link to it but it's a circle that is a light you set your alarm for a certain time and the first thing that happens when your alarm goes off there's no noise at first it's just the light slowly turning on and you can set it for a preferred, uh, what's the word, brightness? Mm -hmm. I have it currently set at 8 out of 10. How is it working? It's interesting. I am finding, <laughs> I'm actually finding it's harder to get out of bed. Really? Well, I think I'm just tired and I need to be going to bed earlier, which is part of this whole process. Mm -hmm. But it does, so the light part goes on. That wakes me up and I like it because it doesn't, when an alarm wakes me up, I have like the heart racing panic. Yeah. And 
I also then find myself just kind of like wide awake and grabbing my phone. This mm-hmm. is a real gradual wake up. Mm-hmm. So what's been happening is I've been setting the light to go off at 615 and it's just the light. But then I think about like eight minutes later, a beeping alarm stop starts going. Okay. And that I can tap. And um, what's the word where you, <laughs> what the hell is it called where you snooze? Mm-hmm. I snooze the noise, but you can't, the light doesn't come on over and over again. The light is only one time. So it comes on and then it goes off? It comes on. I tap it off. Oh, okay. And it rises gradually to mimic that the sun rising. And it really does wake me up. But it's not because it's not a blaring sound. It doesn't jolt you awake. You don't have the urgency. No, it kind of just like slowly makes me realize that it's time to rise. Okay. Then part two with the beeping alarm, which I will say is a gentle beep. It's not a loud blaring Mm -hmm. one. That I keep hitting snooze on. So I'm finding I've been getting fully up at 645, even though my light alarm is going off at 615. Okay. So I might, I'm experimenting with it, but I have to say I do like it. It's a calmer way to get out of bed in the morning. And I I feel like my waking process is more gradual. Um, And I also, uh, I just like the light. Something about it makes my body feel like, oh, yeah, it's morning. Not like, holy shit, Mm -hmm. a sound. I don't know. That's what I'm experiencing. I'm curious what Anthony is going to think of it when he gets home. But he gets up really early, right? No, I'm actually out of bed before him. Okay. Uh, I don't think he'll notice because I found like it's you have to be facing it to really, Mm -hmm. I think, to feel the impact. Okay. I haven't put it on level 10 yet i might try that tomorrow let's see how it goes but uh, listen a lot of people were like i've been curious about this so i have to say i recommend and i bought the cheapest one there are different levels i did not need the sunset simulation which is also a choice on the more fancier models so the one i purchased was 46 dollars. okay so just putting that out there what else has been going on with you well i'm kind of in survival mode right now because Mm -hmm. my spouse is out of town He's going to be gone for another two weeks, been gone for two weeks. So, you know, this week I definitely felt kind of grumpy. Mm-hmm. I let the TV do a lot of the heavy lifting with my kids. Mm. They didn't seem to mind. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I have mixed feelings about that. TV is a big help in my house. We don't watch a ton of it. But, um, you know, I kind of was just kind of burnt out. And I, I, I say this recognizing I have lots of wonderful privilege and support in this situation. And I'm still am have a hard time. Um, but I'm just trying to stay positive and stay on top of shit. I have found Dory, like I tend to procrastinate so deeply about everything. And when I just get everything done, it makes the day so much easier. It feels so good. It does feel better. You know, I was yesterday, it was like making lunches at 10 AM and just kind of trying to check off everything, like doing the trash, feeding the dog, walking the dog, doing the homework, you know, just check, check, check. Then all my work that I had to do, you know, yesterday as well. And it did start to feel like the day was never ending. I didn't eat dinner until about 8.45, mm-hmm. which is fine. It just was what it was. It was a delicious dinner that I made. Mm-hmm. But anyway, I, I making sure I get the tasks done, Yeah, I think just makes everything go a lot faster and not looking at, you know, not sitting and looking at my phone for an hour, which is all I want to do. Because, you know, as I said, I love my phone. But one thing I have done, Dory, is I've streamlined my skincare process. Mm-hmm. We'll get into this more as we talk about some products but i have a little system where sunday night i use my sunday riley good jeans (laughs) and then wednesday night i use my retinol 
And then those are my two like serum products I'm using and okay. I'm just doing them twice a week. I feel like you've had a, an up and down relationship with good jeans. It's been a journey. And I realized I hadn't, I, I think part of my problem is I buy things and I don't kind of set up a consistent, I don't form a relationship with them. Mm. It's like, I just buy them. I smack them on. And then I'm like, Oh, you didn't work in a day. You're dead to me. Right. So oh, also since, oh, sorry to interrupt, but I just remembered since we're talking about good genes, I do want to mention, I'd said on a previous episode that it is not pregnancy safe. And I've since learned that it is pregnancy safe. Well, good. So you can get back into that. I can get back on the good genes train. I will also say we did get numerous people mentioning the news story that Sunday Riley, the company writes a lot of their user reviews. We saw it. We were just as, I, I don't know if I was surprised because I'm a little jaded about everything. Mm. But I will say good genes works for me. Yeah. You know, I, I think, I think they were mostly leaving fake reviews for some of their other products, yes, which is a crappy thing to do. Yeah. Especially there was one that they instructed people to say that it helped them with their acne. That's shitty, which is really shitty because People who are struggling with acne, like, are desperate for anything to help them. And if you read reviews saying this helped me with my acne, like, you're probably going to use it. So I also do rely heavily on user reviews. Yeah. So two things related to this. One is that friend of the pod, Tracy Roby, who runs the fan serviced blog. Oh, yes, yes, yes. She did a really awesome post about this. And she made a complaint to the FTC about it. Oh, that's great. Yeah. But what it made me wonder is... How many other brands, like, is this well, just common practice? So I think, yes, someone else, there was a discussion about this in the Facebook group and someone else pointed out, and I thought this was really smart and something that I'm going to start doing, which is on Sephora, you can see if people, you can see their VIB status. Oh. So if someone is VIB Rouge or even VIB... It's likely that they're not fake because they've been purchasing because they've been pr actually purchasing products where the fake whereas the fake reviews are just throwaway accounts. That's a great tip. So that is something that I'm going to start looking at. And I think you can do the same thing with Amazon. Just kind of see what else the people have reviewed. I mean, it takes I have also installed fake spot, um, which yeah. is a site that in a Google Chrome extension that it will tell you what percentage of reviews on an Amazon page or any site with reviews, what percentage they think are fake. Oh, that sounds very helpful. Yeah. So, you know, it's just a constant struggle against these fake reviews, but we're doing our best. Yes. And I was, I was torn because I do like good jeans, but yeah. I do not like the practice yet. I'm also convinced other companies do. Oh, 100,000%. <sighs> anyway, bummer. So yesterday we were texting we were. And you sent me a text. We never text. <laughs> <laughs> all day and all night. Just texting away. I can tell when Dory goes to bed when the texts stop around 930. <laughs> and you told me via text that you are obsessed with your new underwear. I am obsessed with my new underwear. As listeners of this podcast know, I have long been a devotee of the often name changed <laughs> lace gap boy shorts girl shorts shorty they've they've changed names a Gender thousand times neutral shorts um and i've been wearing those for years but since getting pregs even though i'm not that far along i think in part because i always i carry my weight in my stomach anyway my stomach was like hi i'm here 
Remember me? <laughs> Remember me? Um, and back. so my regular underwear was I, I I like it pulled over the the bump. Ah. I don't like it under the bump. Okay, okay. So I wanted to get something high waisted, and I just happened to be at the Gap the other day. I was like, let me just take a little look, see. And first, I saw that they have like a high waisted version of the lacy ones that I wear. Okay. I was like, hmm, let me try those. So I found a pair in my regular size. They didn't have a size up. I was like, oh, the regular size might not fit. And then I saw these other ones. Was there that like, ah? I was like, ooh, these look interesting. They are the Breathe High Rise Bikini. So I tried on a pair. I'm usually, I should say, I'm usually a medium. Okay. But I was like, I think I need a large. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm just getting bigger. You're growing. I'm growing. So I tried them on over my underwear, of course. Of course. I'm not disgusting. Um, they were, they are stretchy. They are lightweight. Are they cotton? They're a cotton blend. Oh, hello. I love them. I'm wearing a pair right now. I bought four pairs. Okay. I'm going to go back for more. Okay. Okay. And I just think I'm going to be able, I think I'm going to be able to wear them until I get really big. Let's challenge these under <laughs> underpants. You know, I got to say, I texted my sister, Karen Vladek, Esquire, and said, I got some new underwear and I told her which ones and she's like, I love those. Oh, she's already hip to them. Mm-hmm. Cause you know, she had, as she talked about on the podcast, she's had C-sections uh-huh. and she knew she was going to need some comfy undies for after her most recent child. And she said, I bought those. I love those underwear. Now I'm trying to remember if I even bought special underwear when I was pregnant or if I just let it like ride down. I find that so uncomfortable. It is. I don't, I don't quite remember what I did. I will say now, were I pregnant, you know where I'd go. March to Costco and get myself some Carol Hawkman. Oh, Carol. I love these Carols. Now, I might buy you a set. Oh, you would do that for me? I would. I mean, I like you a little bit. <laughs> Just so you could try them out. Because they um, are very high-waisted. Like, they are almost like shorts. Oh. They go way up. Wow, they don't okay. go way down, but they are... You can get them over the belly button for sure. I just, I, I am just so happy that I've found these. Well, thank you, Gap. Yeah, thank you, Gap. Um, I also, Matt and I saw Dear Evan Hansen. Is it great? Did you cry? I almost cried. Ooh, I love a cry at a musical. I thought it was great. I'm going to see it soon. I'm excited. Um, It's touring now. It's in Los Angeles till the end of November, but it's going like all over the country. So if you are in a city that it is going, I would recommend seeing it. You know what we haven't talked about yet, Tori? What? A love of musicals is self-care. You think that's a thing? We, well, we talked about a little bit when I was talking about Broadway dance class. That's true. Which I feel like I'm regaining my strength and might be able to return to. I am going to love a pregnant you doing oh, just waddling around show tunes. waddling around Broadway dance waddling class. around to the <laughs> soundtrack of cats oh yes what a vision <laughs> um yeah I am and also it was like the latest I had stayed out in months and you're starting to feel a little bit better I'm starting to feel better I mean we just ate salads 
And you were like, mmm, a salad sounds good. Yeah. As opposed to literally that since August, all I've seen you eat is like a saltines. Uh-huh. What else have you eaten? Maybe noodles. Some noodles, some breads. Yep. Yeah. That's about it. Yeah. So I'm like eating other things now. It feels really good. I'm just like feeling better. That's wonderful. So thank you. I'm glad you're transitioning into this new hungrier, bigger <laughs> underwear phase of pregnancy. Well, you know, people do say the second trimester is the best trimester. <laughs> I heard, I've heard that both times. I never personally found that, but I fully hope for you it is. Well, I don't think, I, I mean, look, I guess it could be worse than the first trimester, but you really went through I'd it. I'd be hard pressed to see how it could be. <laughs> yeah. I, I, like, so, and I'm already like feeling, I, I'm just feeling more like myself and I'm like functioning as Great. a person. So good. I'm happy. That makes me thrilled. Thank you. Uh, Dory. Also, this episode is going to be airing right around something very important. Yes, the election, the midterm elections on November November 6th. 6th. This comes out on November 1st, which means y'all got to get to the polls. Vote, vote, please vote. Just 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 vote. Listen to this podcast in line. If you are not an early voter, I vote by mail. Personally, I'm excited to dig into that this week. Um, My husband votes by mail. I'm a I'm a in-person person. You're passionate about the polls. I like a poll. I like I used I like going to and then I did my first mail in ballot uh, very recently and it was so satisfying. Mm, I could see that. I don't know. There just is something about going. I remember going to the polls with my mom like as a kid. Yeah. You know, there's just something very. It's like the one thing we have. It's very moving. Yeah. Um, But yes, please, um, please definitely vote. If you're inclined, volunteer postcard. like five days left is a lot of days. Give someone a ride to the polls. Oh, that's a great idea. Right? Yes. Yeah. Why not? Yes. Give someone a ride to the polls. I will drive. You know what? If anyone needs a ride in my neighborhood, if you see me, I will give you a ride on my shoulders. <laughs> or my car, but it might be more fun to just show up on my back. That would be really fun. Should we take a little break? Now? Let's do it. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, look, I don't know about you, but when I hold on to some negative feelings, it really starts to impact my day to day. Mm. I get a little snippy and short with the people in my life. Things start to really feel overwhelming. And look, it's just generally not great for me or for the people that I am interacting with. And I do find that my time in therapy is a real safe space to get those things off my chest and figure out how to work on and work through things that are weighing on me Mm. or maybe weighing on you. For example, like I have actually really been working on mindfulness in therapy. Oh, nice. Nice. Yeah. Easier said than done, but that's the work, right? Like just learning about kind of I'm like really creating a breathing practice and paying attention to my physical body and my feelings. Therapists are trained to help you figure out the cause of challenging emotions and to learn productive coping skills. If you're thinking about trying therapy, 
try BetterHelp. It's convenient and accessible anywhere because it is 100% online. All it takes to get started is filling out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. And if you're not vibing with the therapist, you can switch at any time for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Forever35 today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Forever35. You know, one thing I think is really kind of interesting about skin, my skin, but all skin, is that like what it needs now in my 40s is not what I needed in my 30s. Totally. Definitely not what I needed in my 20s. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But like, how are you supposed to know what your skin needs? It's hard. It's hard to know. Especially when there's just like so many products out there. The overwhelm is real. It's a struggle to even know how to get the results you want, what products to start with. This is why we're super excited to partner with Apostrophe. Apostrophe is a prescription skincare company that offers science-backed medications that are clinically proven to help. I have used Apostrophe. I love it. They will pair you with a board-certified dermatologist who literally creates a personalized treatment plan for your skin. I have done this a few times now. It is so easy to do their online consultation. You upload photos and like within a few weeks, I had done the consultation and received my treatment plan and my product. Amazing. And that is how I became a Tretinoin gal. I love the Tretinoin that they sent me. I love their sunscreen. Both products have been amazing on my skin. And you, Forever 35 listeners, can get a special deal from Apostrophe. You can get your first visit for only $5. That's at apostrophe.com slash forever35 when you use our code forever35. Now, that is a savings of $15. I like that. This code is only available to Forever 35 listeners. So to get started, just go to apostrophe.com slash forever35 and click get started. And then use our code forever35 at sign up and you will get your first visit for only $5. Thank you, Apostrophe, for sponsoring this episode. I am the first to admit that gift giving is not easy for everyone. It's taken me a long time to become like a halfway decent gift giver. But what I have learned is that the best way to win the gift giving game is to gift memories. Ooh. And you know how you do that, Kate? I'm I'm ready. I'm listening. The Aura digital Mm -hmm. frame Mm -hmm. preloaded with decades of family photos. We have gifted this to many people. And when you gift this, your family will love looking back on childhood memories and seeing what you're up to today. Even better, with unlimited storage and an easy-to-use app, you can keep updating the frame with new photos. So it's really the gift that keeps on giving. It's super easy to set up. It takes literally two minutes. You download the app. You set up the Wi-Fi. Boom. Boom. You're good to go. Yep. We have given this to my parents. We've given mm-hmm. this to Matt's parents. Mm-hmm. Same, same. It's so easy because you can add photos from the app like anytime you want. And also like my brother has the app so he can add photos from his family. My sister has the app so she can add photos. My parents also have it. So they also add their own photos. That is one of the coolest parts I think of the Aura Frame is that everybody can contribute. Yes. I love that about uh, we have two aura frames in our house i have one in my office and yeah and one in our family room and my kids 
Love it. Do they have the same pictures on them? No, they have different pictures. <gasps> Ooh. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's interesting. Maybe I should get one for my office. I'm looking at a picture of my in- children right now. Right. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Putting that away for later. Store that. Yes. Uh, the Aura app lets you share photos more securely than with email, which is what many other digital frames require. And also then you're not taking up your email storage. So win-win. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Forever 35 listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code FOREVER35 at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. I think it's safe to say that we have suffered through bras. We've been uncomfortable in them. We've... Devoted whole episodes to finding good ones. But I'm here to say enough is enough. 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 I mean, Dory, have I ever told you? Have I ever told you what I did in college when I needed a bra to wear with a fancy dress? What? I cut the top of pantyhose and then I duct taped that to my chest. Oh, sounds uncomfortable because <laughs> i i didn't have honey love when i was in college no well we are here to say no more being uncomfortable with no honey, no with honey loves bras you will wonder why it took so long to make something so comfortable and so supportive there's no underwire but through some kind of wonderful magic they managed to not sacrifice lift all while making it in a fabric that's so comfortable you barely know it's there especially the crossover bra I wear one of these almost every day. I'm wearing one right now because it's so comfortable and it easily fits into my life. But if you like a breathable and versatile legging, Honey Love has you covered on that front too. Plus, they have tanks, shapewear, and their V-bra that has molded cups still without the underwire to keep you from getting that dreaded uniboob effect other more relaxed bras tend to give you. So treat yourself to the best bras and shapewear on the market and save 20% off at honeylove.com slash forever. Use our exclusive link to get 20% off honeylove.com slash forever. After your purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them and please support our show and tell them we send you. Treat yourself to Honey Love because you deserve it. So Kate, the Sephora Holiday Bonus Beauty Insider event has begun. Right now, it's only for VIB Rouge people, and they get it exclusively until the 5th of November. And then the rest of us peons have to wait. So if you are a VIB, like I am, you start on November 9th, and then all beauty insiders, and anyone can be a beauty insider, starts on the 16th. Now, I know Rouge are getting 20% off, and I believe that everyone else is also going to get 20% off on their respective dates. Can I also just say, becoming a beauty insider at Sephora is free. Yeah. For many years, I didn't do it. Oh. I know, it was so dumb of me. And anytime you shop there, you just rack up these points. Yeah. And it's it's worth, it's one of those like little groups that's worth joining. It is. Although I will say, and I'm not experienced with this, but I've heard tell that the Ulta Rewards Program is actually better. Oh, well, I will be so, checking that out. A Saperoni. I'm just going to throw that out there. 
that's that's the word on the street that is what the boots on the ground are telling yep. you but listen we love our safaris and we just wanted to discuss some of the things that we ourselves are planning on purchasing with our hard-earned money planning on planning on I might not go for all of it. Okay, but this is just, you know. This is my wish list. This is the wish list. And mm-hmm. then I also threw on a couple of non-Sephori's products just for fun. Because you've got a whole list of things you want. New, yeah. New goodies. New goodies. So and it's, some of them might sound familiar to listeners. Oh, I see it in the notes. Mm-hmm. I know where this is going. Kate, do you want to kick things off? Okay, so look, I mentioned it already, but I got a sample from Sephora of this Makeup Forever Ultra HD Perfector Skin Tint Foundation SPF 25, and I'm obsessed that with it. Sounds like it does a lot. Oh, it like gave it's like a mask. It gave me a new face. I was a Oof. new person. No, it just it just gave me like a nice smooth buff look. Mm. Not buff muscular, buff like mm. polish. What if you could paint muscles on? You can. With like airbrush tanning, I'm I'm very confident that in the second Twilight movie, Robert Pattinson has painted on abs Ooh. when they're in Italy. Listeners, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> no, no disrespect to our Robert Pattinson's our abs. abs. I'm sure his great natural <laughs> abs, but I feel like I vaguely remember, or at least they're like defining them with a yeah. little bit of makeup. All right. Anyway, Fair. shout out, shout out to Rob. Um, so you got a sample of this and now you, you liked it so much that you're going. I might go for it. Although Dory, I checked Cruelty Free Kitty, which is a site that Jackie Johnson yes. recommended and Makeup Forever is not considered cruelty free because Ew. they sell products in China where okay. animal testing is mandatory. Okay. So I might, I might sit on it because everything else on my list, I checked everything mm-hmm. and everything else is under the cruelty free category. Okay. But I really, I really, that, that, that stuff really has like hit it out of the park for me. I haven't had that kind of experience, even with the Armani stuff. What? Sorry. Yeah. It just, it just really. All right. I'm going to have to take a few minutes it, to process this. But... <laughs> it was like love at first application. It was just a great, I love how it made my skin look. How much does it cost? $36. Okay. But you know, getting that, the sale price is, knocks a little bit yeah, off. For sure. What else is on your list? Okay. One thing I also tried a sample of and didn't want to bite the bullet without a sale is this Tatcha, the Pearl Tinted Eye Illuminating Treatment. Tell me more. I was at Sephora. Every story starts the same way. Just me in a Sephora bum- <laughs> bumbling around. And I was like the salesperson, this lovely guy just was like, hey, you want to know this new thing we just got that I'm obsessed with? And I was like, yes, pray tell. And it was this Tatcha Eye stuff. And it's like kind of a concealer, kind of a treatment. It's very sheer. Ooh. It's kind of, it's also like an illuminator brightening. It's very light. Where do you apply it? Underneath your eyes. Okay. And I loved it. I loved the sample. I maxed it out, but it's $48 and I didn't take the leap. Okay. So the sale might be the thing that pushes me over the edge. I'm here for that. Yeah, that might just be the thing. Okay. But I did just get some of the Becca under eye stuff. Yes. So I feel like I should finish that. And then maybe in a year, circle back for the old Tatcha stuff. But okay. I really, really liked it. Okay. I love RMS Beauty. I have used their regular luminizer, which mm-hmm. is like a highlighter for years. Mm-hmm. And then literally when I say for years, it's the, I've been using the same pot for like four years. Oh, wow. Which okay. is not what anyone recommends, but I've been doing that. <laughs> but they have a champagne rosé color for $38. Oh, that sounds pretty. Yeah. And they're... Their products are great. And we've, we've actually had a couple questions about um, 
from listeners about eliminating plastic, which I think we'll talk about down the road. But RMS products come in glass containers. Oh. So if, but the lids must be plastic. Yes, or metal. Oh. I don't oh, know. Yeah. No, I think you're right. I think they are metal. Yes. So that's another. RMS like, is also a fave of former Forever 35 guest Jessa Blake. That's who first turned me on to it many years ago. Oh, at the thing at my house? Uh-huh. Dory hosted mm, a little makeup night. I did. And I'm still using the stuff I bought at that makeup <laughs> night. That was before you were with your husband. Uh, that is entirely possible. Yeah, that was yes. a long time ago. That that pot of luminizer. That was still a going. long time ago. That was when this podcast wasn't even a little glimpse in any of our we, eyes. We didn't even know we would become podcast friends. I know, but I really I love their products. I like supporting that brand, um, and so I might. That is like the one I'm kind of on the list leaning toward. I love it. Is there anything else? Oh, yeah. Of course. Is there anything else? Dory, there's like 50 freaking things. Well, let's do okay, it. Okay, a couple more things. One, I might re-up my Tata Harper Regenerating Cleanser. <laughs> I only I only want to buy that during a sale. <laughs> is that on your list, too? Or are you just oh ho No, I'm just oh ho Tata is back. Tata's back. You know, I have mixed feelings about Tata. But I like, I have this, this bottle has lasted me a long time. I'm still going on my original bottle. Wow. A lot of my things I've had for a year. My good jeans I bought a year ago at the previous fall sale. So this Tata has lasted me a while and I really like it. So, But it I, is pricey. It is too much money. How much is it, Kate? Dory, oh, it's $82. $82. That is... It's bonkers. That is obscene. It's bonkers for a cleanser. It's crazy. Also, on our last mini up, we just finished talking about how cleanser was not the thing that you I'm should spend hypocrite. your money on. I'm a hypocrite. What can I say? Well, at least you're honest about it. <laughs> it's just tempting. Like I've kind of circled back to it, and I'm like, oh, do I need to? Do I need to buy this again? I might. I don't know. I don't know. Listeners, tell me what to do. Okay, here's the last thing. And okay. this might actually be the thing where I take the plunge. This and the RMS. It is. I want to try a tubing mascara. I am also very curious about tubing mascara. I've never tried one. I don't even understand how it works. Yeah, can you sort of explain for our listeners and me exactly what a tubing mascara is? I believe it's applied similar, similarly to a regular mascara. Okay. But it forms like a tube around the lash. And then when you remove it, it's like you're removing little tiny tubes off your eyes. I don't know. Doesn't this sound crazy? I haven't done like you would have thought I would have like Googled photos of this. I haven't. I just hear the word tubing mascara. I know people rave about it. I'm intrigued. So what brand? Okay, so here's what I came to. I okay. did a little research. Blink, B-L-I-N-C is like the OG of tubing mascaras. Oh. Cruelty free. So it's I feel good in that regard. Yep. $26 and they sell it at Sephora. I think you got to go for it. I think I'm going to do. For the sake of the pod. For the sake of the pod. Yeah. Experimenting. I think where I am leaning is the RMS luminizer because that's a good just everyday mm -hmm. highlighter. And then this um, this tubing mascara. And I think I'm trying to keep it, keep it light this time around. Okay. I also like, I feel like we often focus on skincare on this, pro on this podcast. And I like that you're buying two makeup products. Oh, which just reminded me. I meant to go back and Google some other things that I found that I liked. Like some super goops. It's this is a never ending list. I get it. But you're right, Dory. I, I am kind of playing around with makeup because I'm finding just a sprinkling of makeup. Like if I'm going out into the world, it's kind of fun. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, I like that dewy look with some lashes. Totally. And I'm enjoying taking off my makeup more because I that Tatcha 
oil cleanser is so great. It's so nice. It's so light. I, I used it, it Saturday night. so good. Yeah. God damn it. I know. All right. Your list is long. <laughs> I might have gone overboard. No, you didn't. It's just you listed out all the products in I this, did. this kit that you have on your list. So take it away. Okay. So I, I am a fan of Dr. Jart. I think they have a great um, moisturizer with ceramide cream stuff in it. Um, official name. And so I saw that Sephora is offering a Dr. Jart Superhero Skin Transformer set. And here is what it comes with. It's all like little mini sizes of everything. Um, it's the Sika Pear Tiger Grass Color Correcting Treatment, SPF 30. The Sika Pear Tiger Grass Repair Serum. The Water Fuse Hydro Sleep Mask. The Ceramidin Cream. The Premium BB Beauty Balm, SPF 45. And then two new serums that have not been available in this country until Whoa, now. Oh, that's tempting. The Peptidin Radiance Serum and the Peptidin Firming Serum. So I am very intrigued by this. And I think it might be a good way for me to kind of try a bunch of Dr. Jart products. However, I was dismayed Ooh. to learn that Dr. Jart is not cruelty free. Like they just openly test on animals? They test on animals. Now, I have not made, I have not as of yet made cruelty free a hard and fast line. I haven't me. either, but I'm thinking about it more. But I would like to go in that direction. And this is, you know, this is a good value. This is $52 for a bunch of stuff, including these new products. And, and I'm honestly very torn. Like, do I just stop using Dr. Jart altogether? I don't know. I need to come to a conclusion about this. I mean, I think our cruelty-free advocate friends would say, hell yes, you do. I know. <sighs> All right. Well, weigh in on that. Yeah. So the other thing that I am dying to try, which has been raved about by past guests like Anya Yurchishin, who I would call a makeup expert. Definitely. Is the Charlotte Tilbury Bond Girl lipstick. How I want this. Reading your little blurb here now made me want it. I'm Googling. It's it's like one of those shades that supposedly looks good on everyone. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Which makes me want it even more. It's $34, which is kind of on the high. To me, that's sort of on the high normal end. You know what I mean? Yes. It's no Tom. It's no $58 it's Tom Ford. It's not that, that wild Tom Ford. You yes. Purchased. But it's um, not like the but it's not $7. Cheap. So it's something that I would that I would have to kind of think twice about investing in. But with the sale, I think it might be time to take the plunge. I also... And pleased to learn that Charlotte Tilbury is cruelty free. Great. That makes me feel better about putting that on my lips. Yeah. I mean, I'm just Googled it in a headline on Allure said Charlotte Tilbury matte revolution lipstick in pillow talk is actually a universal flattering new oh, color. That's not this color, though. No. Bond girl is different than pillow Bond talk. Girl is different. I don't own I don't know anything about Charlotte Tilbury. People love her stuff. Kate, I am toying with the idea of pulling the trigger on one of your faves. Reveal yourself. Dior lip glow. <gasps> oh, 
I do like it. That was a Maureen Goo recommendation. Not cruelty guess. free. Oh, it's not. Whoops. Well, Dior is not. Yeah, you're for right. For sure. Yeah, oops to do this. Um, but I'm very intrigued by this. It is also $34. I like it. But? I think you could skip it. All right. I would go with the Charlotte Tilbury. Okay, like I'm if you're, go with the Charlotte Tilbury. I, you know what? Try mine out. It's a nice sheer look. But if you already have some Clinique black honey floating around. Mm, I do. I feel like that's just as nice. It's a different kind All of right. shade. But I mean, you All know, right, done. I don't want to stop you. You've talked me out of it. Okay, Good whoops. job. <laughs> oops. <laughs> Listeners, I like it. I do like it. Um, but the soft. other one of your faves that I think I might try is the It Cosmetics Bye Bye Under Eye Illumination Full Coverage Concealer. Okay, look, I need you to know when I read this, I nearly passed out. You're going to switch under eye concealers? I'm not going to switch. <laughs> I'm curious what's making you like look elsewhere. Look outside of your relationship with the boing stuff. Look, you know, boing is great, but after a while, it's like you just want to try something else. Wow. I this stuff is a workhorse. Okay, well, we'll see. We'll see it put to the test. It is really, I have to say, it is like you're putting spackle under your eyes. Um, it's $24 and a little goes a long way. I use a dot of it. I I mean, really curious to try it. Um, and it cosmetics is also cruelty free. Yeah. Thank you. It cosmetics. Um, so I was recently at wired 25, this weekend long event to celebrate wired magazine. And Matt and I did a live excellent adventure and they had a makeup artist there who did my makeup. What a treat. What a treat. And she said, here, I'm going to give you this mascara. She was a doll and she gave me the two faced better than sex mascara. And, you know, I've been a Dior show devotee for quite some time, but she threw this two faced on my lashes and I was like, oh, that's a big like cult fave one. Right. I hear about that one a lot. And it comes in two sizes. It comes in a mini size for $12 and a full size for $24. Now, interesting thing about Too Faced. This, they are vegan and cruelty free and this, uh, most of their products are vegan. They have a few non-vegan products. This product is vegan. But a couple years ago, they sold to Estee Lauder for a ton of money. Congrats like to them. over a billion dollars. Oh, wow. No big deal. But they have pledged not to enter the Chinese market. Now, Estee Lauder does test on animals. They do. Well, they, uh, they sell um, a lot of their brands sell cosmetics in China. Right. So if you sell a mainland China, which, which requires, required. and I think, I think many of their brands also just test on animals anyway. I don't think all of their brands are not all their brands are cruelty free. Now I had, it's kind of been under the impression of like, okay, if a brand like Too Faced is owned by Estee Lauder, you still shouldn't buy it. If you are devoted to this cruelty free lifestyle, you shouldn't buy it because Estee Lauder tests on animals. However, I found um, an article on the PETA website, and you know, they are the most doctrinaire of everyone. I've heard of them. And they had an interesting point that I would like to read. Yes, please do. And I quote, it's important to support cruelty-free companies such as Urban Decay, which is owned by L'Oreal, as well as Two-Faced Cosmetics, because if their parent companies see that kind and compassionate cosmetics are popular, it may lead to a decision to reject testing on animals permanently. And I was like, huh, I hadn't thought of that. 
And that's an interesting point. And does that inspire you to then purchase this Too Faced mascara? Yes. Small size or big size? Um, well, I have, she gave me the small size. So you're going, I think I'm going to go for the big. Um, and then there are two other products that are not at Sephora that I think I'm going to take the plunge with while I'm just kind of updating my products. Uh One is the mad hippie vitamin C serum that Jessica Hopper talked about. I ran into a friend who I was chatting about serums with and they are also using this. And they love it. Yeah. I, I, and I was like, oh, Jessica Hopper just told us about because I one. haven't been using a vitamin C serum for a while, not for any real reason, just because I like ran out of one and never rebought. And I'd like to incorporate it back into my routine. And the other thing that I'm going to buy is Egyptian magic. Oh, I love Egyptian magic. I mean, now Dory, it's a Costco. It's a Costco. <laughs> And it's in Costco, like a two for one situation. Oh, I'll see if they have it the next okay. time I roll through, Thank which you. is Thank every you for day. Being my Costco Sherpa. Oh, anytime. Well, let's take a quick break. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. Um, Our guest today is Nicole Chung. Welcome, Nicole. Thank you so much. Hi, Dory. Hi, Hi. Kate. Hi. Um, I'm just going to read a short bio so everyone can kind of get to know you a little bit. Nicole Chung is the author of the memoir, All You Can Ever Know, named a best book of the season by The Washington Post, Entertainment Weekly, Vanity Fair, Time, Newsday, Elle, The Today Show, and more. Her essays and articles have appeared in The New York Times, GQ, Longreads, BuzzFeed, and Hazlitt, among others. She's the editor-in-chief of Catapult Magazine and the former manager editor of The Toast. And you can find her on Twitter at at Nicole underscore Sujong. Welcome. Thank you again. Um, So your book, All You Can Ever Know, is the story of you kind of finding your birth family. Um, Mm -hmm. To reduce it to a (laughs) very short sentence. Um, (laughs) But I would love for you to kind of tell our listeners who may not have had a chance to read the book kind of just generally the story. Of course. Yeah. Um, so it focuses on my adoption growing up, uh, in a white family in Southern Oregon in a, in a really white community. Um, and then what happened when I grew up and decided to search for my birth family about whom I'd never really known much of anything. Um, and I think the larger narrative is really about 
like questioning stories that were told, like stories mm. that are passed down um, and and what it means to really go in search of or try to rewrite your own story. Um, so a, a lot of the book deals with my search, which which happened when I was pregnant with my first child uh, a little over 10 years ago now. And what happened after? What happened with the information and the people that I found? So you became, you kind of became more interested in your adoption story when you got pregnant. Um, That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm just curious what, what it was about your pregnancy and kind of the idea of giving birth that sparked that. Yeah, I think it's funny. Obviously, before um, before I didn't even know if I was ever going to be a parent. It was this mm. very hypothetical thing, um, as was like the idea of a child, right? And so I had never thought a lot, to be honest, about what it would mean for my child to be growing up, like as the the uh, the child of an adoptee. I had never really thought about adoption having those far-reaching effects, like beyond, I guess, my generation, right. you know. And I remember sitting at my first prenatal appointment and talking with the midwife and she was asking me all these questions about like my family history and my mother's births and if I had siblings. And I knew she did not mean my adoptive family um, or my adoptive mother. I knew she wanted to know, you know, what was my medical history? What what were my mother, my birth mother's pregnancies like? And did I know why she went into labor so early with me? Because I was born about two and a half months premature, um, and so I just remember suddenly feeling very scared that I didn't have this information, mm-hmm. um, both from like a practical, I guess, medical standpoint, but also for the first time I started thinking like, will this child have questions for me that I can't answer? Right. You know, will it bother them that I, I just don't know, I, I can't really share this legacy or this history or this culture with them. Um, I suddenly felt just very inadequate and mm. That was sort of the final push I think I needed to stop just thinking about it and actually go in search of my birth family. So what did that entail? Yeah, it's super complicated because, um, you know, we have 50 different states and 50 different state laws about adoption. Um, I was actually born here in the U.S. because my birth parents were immigrants from Korea. Like they'd been here just a couple of years, really, when I was born. So um, my adoption was like a domestic adoption uh, here in the States, in Washington State. At the time I searched for my birth family, I had to um, go through a third party. So I, I, I wasn't allowed to find my information or to contact them directly, which at the time definitely made like a kind of sense to me. Mm. Um, but there was this extra level of like bureaucracy also that I had to pay for. Like I had to pay that third party to petition the court for my adoption file, see my birth parents' names on my behalf, and then forward them a letter from me. Um, and we weren't allowed to share any like identifying info, like last names or addresses or like personal details Mm -hmm. until everyone had consented in writing. And sorry, this is very, (laughs) this is like the red tape. This is the part where people eyes kind of glaze over. But um, no, it was a I think longer... It's, I mean, in your book, the way you, you, you write about it so beautifully, and I, I actually think for those of us who, who are not adopted, we don't know. No, we have no idea. Um, right, right. So I know yeah. it seems like a part of your story that you've, you know, you've told a million times and seems like very bureaucratic, but I, I think it's, um, first of all, it's part of your story. And second of all, I, I do think that for those of us who haven't experienced it, it's, it's not, it doesn't feel tedious at all. Thank you. I mean, I know a lot of us, regardless of birth or adoption, you know, there's only so much access you really get to the people who came before you. There's yeah. only so well that you can really even know your own parents, honestly. And and your perception of your family changes so much over time. But I think it's true that if you're not adopted, it's not 
it's not necessarily common for you to think about what it's like to just have nothing, like to have questions and no history, like no one to even ask and, you know, to have to petition or pay for, or both, um, Mm -hmm. just to get the kind of basic information that everybody else has. Um, yeah, I think you're right. It's, it's probably not something, you know, everybody thinks about, but, um, it was definitely a longer process than I even thought it would be. Like, I remember sort of starting it and thinking, I started it in my first trimester. I remember thinking like, we'll get this done by the end of my second trimester. And like, I won't be dealing with like all of this while I'm giving birth. And of course, like, it's not how it happened. (laughs) Um, You know, I heard from my birth father for the first time while I was in labor. So it, yeah, it was all, it all really did happen and just kind of, um, it all happened at once. And that was not what I was expecting. And how did you handle things, um, the the kind of stress of the process? Um, We talk a lot about self-care on this show, obviously. And I'm I'm just curious how it affected you emotionally, mentally, and how you kind of handled that. Especially being pregnant. Yeah. That's like, that's a lot. Right. My mother, my adoptive mother was like, don't you have enough going on in your life right now? (laughs) And it's definitely true. Like I had a lot going on. Um, Yeah, I remember... Well, first of all, like this is obviously just not everybody's experience while pregnant, but I was like extremely tired. I mean, honestly, that probably is everybody's experience while pregnant. There was like a limit to how much I could focus on day to day and like beyond, I guess, the physical reality and everything that was happening to me. Like it was my first too. So I had no idea what to do. And I write about that too. In the book, I really felt just like so unprepared for that. Um, it honestly, in a way, might have helped that I had this other major life change to focus on because hmm. if it had been just the search, it would have been very difficult not to be completely consumed by it. Yeah. Um, and like, you know, it was um, it was difficult and it was emotional. And some of the things I learned were shocking. And at the same time, like I had to focus on the pregnancy. I had to get ready. There were just things I had to do and get through um, because because I was pregnant. Um And it was a nice, I mean, nice, that's a trite way of putting it, but it allowed me to kind of split my focus. And when one thing was like too much or overwhelming, there'd be this other thing instead, which doesn't sound like it should be helpful, I realize. But for me, in in some ways it was. Um, And I do remember, I remember feeling as though um, like... I wanted to talk to people about it and wasn't sure how to explain it. And I guess by that, I mean the search Um, because adoption, even the people in my life who loved me most and were really close to me, they weren't adopted. So Mm. there was a limit to either how much they could immediately grasp or how much they could at least get without me explaining a lot. Um, I remember feeling like, you know, I wish I had let more people into that process, like into the search. I wish I'd, I wish I'd actually reached out more and asked for more support, but I didn't really know how to explain it. Um, like what to say or what to ask for. Um, I've been saying this a lot in interviews and on the road too, but I, I often wish I'd found like a good adoption competent therapist at the time because I really was just Mm. going through it like day to day. I really felt like, um, almost like a puppet sometimes on strings, just being pulled this way or that by like the latest piece of news or the latest shock. And it was really a strange like time. Um, And I I think I'll always wish I had looked for and found just more practical everyday support in that. Um, But it also 
once things started happening, happened so quickly. It was, you know, it would be like I got a phone call and then in a matter of days I'd be dealing with new information. And so, yeah, it was hard to keep up with too. Wow. That must have been, that is a role. That is a, a roller coaster. Like you said, no matter what, what time you're going through it in your life, but doing it while pregnant, it seemed, I mean, it's so interesting because that was what fueled your search. And then to have it all unfold throughout that time must have just been a ride. It was. I mean, there were certainly wonderful things about it all, too. Um, and yeah, it was an exciting time for sure. But yeah, I, I don't know. I think, too, like I wasn't thinking at that stage in my life, like, what do I need? Like, what would self-care look like for me even in this in this period? Um, I remember being very concerned about how other people felt mm. throughout everything. Like, um, you know, I was very worried about how my adoptive parents would take the search, you yeah. know, like if they'd feel threatened or if they'd feel concerned. And I was really anxious once I found my birth family that they'd be OK and not be too freaked out and not be upset with me for just reappearing and asking these questions. So um, that was the other thing is that I think I, I hadn't really even, I didn't actually, I didn't go about it in the best like way in terms of myself and my self-care. I I spent a lot of time just very concerned about, um, about how others were reacting, which is important. I mean, it's important to be empathic and to try and, and feel how other people are feeling and care. But um, I might have at times neglected like my own needs in, in that whole process, um, which to some degree, I, I don't think I'd fully realized till I started writing about it, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah. And it probably, you probably needed some distance from it to kind of realize that. Yeah, I did. And I, I would have needed a lot of distance to write about it as well. Um, I was writing about it at the time I was journaling like everyday things, things that I learned about my birth family, like conversations I was having with them. So I was really glad to have those records. But in terms of like writing this story, I don't think I would have been ready, you know, until now. I don't mm -hmm. think I could have written it back then. I, you know, I, I first kind of encountered your writing as an essayist. Um, and I'm wondering why you felt like you needed to tell the story as a book and what that process was like? Sure. That's a great question. Um, I'm so much more comfortable with essays. And I remember thinking like everyone does when they sell a book, like, oh, God, can I actually write a book, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> like a whole book? So I just wanted to acknowledge the terror of that. And then I do remember thinking, is this a is this a collection of essays? Maybe is it mm. is it like linked essays about adoption and search and maybe some parenting? And then. I kind of quickly realized that, well, I might like that idea because, again, it would feel a little more comfortable for me um, with my background as an essayist that it really felt like there was one continuous story arc. Like I could hmm. I could sort of see how I wanted to start it and what it would look like and how it would end. Um, but it was really daunting. And it took me a while to get to the point where I felt it could be a book. Um, I didn't start writing pieces about adoption till like. I don't know, like 2014-ish. And then I really decided to do the book um, a few years after that because I was getting a lot of questions from readers about adoption. A lot of people, to my surprise, although I don't, I guess I shouldn't have been surprised in retrospect, like they had not really read much about adoption um, and transracial adoption from the perspective of an adoptee, particularly like an adoptee of color. So a lot of people were very almost surprised to encounter this particular voice or this story at all. And they had really good follow-up questions. And I realized it was just becoming difficult to sort of address everything, like all the complications in the story and do everybody justice um, 
in 1,000 or 2,000 word essays um, that were all disconnected. And so I started to think a book, like a full story, is probably where I will get the space that I need to tell this and actually actually do it justice. Well, I think you did an amazing job. So thank you for writing Thank you so a much. Book. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I actually wanted to ask about... Um, adoptees and especially adoptees in transracial adoption who have Mm -hmm. kind of historically been underrepresented in adoption literature and I think even continue to be. Um, And I'm wondering what the response has been to the book from other adoptees. It's been really wonderful so far. I mean, I felt really anxious about people uh, taking my story as like representative of all adoptees or all transracial adoptees or all Korean adoptees. Um, So, you know, it's a lot of pressure, which I wouldn't feel if there were more out there, you know, Mm -hmm. um, in the mainstream narrative. So that's a lot of pressure just because of scarcity in a way. But um, in terms of hearing from adoptees, it's been wonderful. And like adoptees know I'm not representing all of us. Like that's a given to them. They know their own story. Um, But I've been hearing from I usually get at least a few emails a day now um, and have since pub day from adoptees. The youngest was 15, I think, and the oldest is in her 70s um, of all races and backgrounds. And sometimes they say your story reminds me of mine. And sometimes they say it's nothing like mine, but thanks for writing it. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, a few Korean adoptees in particular have said, you know, this is the first time I've seen anything like my life in literature at all, which is really wonderful and really humbling and also kind of upsetting because I feel this shouldn't be the first time that they've encountered it. Um, And again, like, I guess I do feel some resulting pressure. It's, it's not from them. It's just, it's just the reality of there not being a lot of representation, but I am hopeful that that's starting to change. We have generations of transracial adoptees now um, that are telling their stories and could tell them. And so it's really, I think, a question of like, are we ready to listen? Mm -hmm. What has kind of been, I don't want to be presumptuous and assume that it is healing to share your story in this way, but I'm just wondering what kind of, um, what it's provided you to share in this way. I think um, the the thing I love most about writing and, and not just about adoption, you know, when I write on other topics, too, there are a lot of reasons, I guess, primarily. I just love to write also. But I love finding community. Um, it's been really important to me at Catapult and before that at The Toast. Um, and before The Toast, I was at Hyphen, which is like an online Asian-American um, publication. Um, used to be in print as well. But um yeah, that just that idea of telling a story and then not being alone anymore, like helping people understand and then understanding because you're reading their work too. Like not to sound all like idealistic and kind of cheesy, but I, I love those like moments of connection. I really treasure community as somebody who grew up without it in a lot mm-hmm. of ways. Um, there was no one in my life growing up that I could talk to about any of this. Um, and it was lonely at times, to be honest. So I feel like I've spent a lot of my adult life searching, sometimes in good ways, sometimes maybe not good ways, but like trying to search for those communities and those places where I can learn and I can also be understood. Um, and so that has been really the most valuable part of of writing for me on this topic, but also, also outside of it. Yeah, you write about being the only Asian person at your elementary school and, you know, obviously in your adoptive family um, and that your parents 
kind of tried to raise you in a quote colorblind environment. Um, Mm -hmm. but that, that kind of left you feeling even more isolated. And I'm wondering just how you reconciled that. And did you ever feel resentment towards your parents, um, for raising you this way? I think in a lot of ways, they were really just following advice they'd been given at the time. Mm -hmm. I mean, I can't lie and say I've never felt resentful toward my parents for any reason. I think probably probably (laughs) most of us have something. And we have definitely, it's interesting because we did not talk about race at all, right? Really acknowledge it much or certainly never acknowledge that like racism was still a thing or that I could experience it in my life. Um, We really only started having those discussions when I was older, like as an adult. Um, And yeah, I mean, I guess... I guess I can't say there was never any resentment, but I think what's been more important is just the ability to talk about it and sort of have like these harder conversations. Um, It hasn't been seamless. Like it's definitely been a challenge at times, but I think I'm a lot more honest with them than I was like, than I knew how to be growing up. Like growing up, I couldn't have, I've said this in the book too, but I, I really didn't understand what I was experiencing, like on the playground as racism. Like I was hearing Mm. actual racial slurs, but I didn't think I didn't know what to call it. And I didn't know how to talk about it with anyone, um, including my family. So just the fact that I, I had to get over some of that myself and learn how to think and talk about it before I could talk about it with them, um, yeah, I think it was it was definitely it was definitely challenging growing up in that kind of environment for sure. And um, it took really growing up and moving away from it, you know, before mm-hmm. I could start to really see it for what it was and question maybe some of the harm done um, by it. But yeah, I mean, my parents were very much following the standard advice of the time, I believe, in yeah. a lot of adoptions, which was, you know, the social worker, the judge all told them um you don't have to worry about it. Like, don't, don't do anything special. My mother has hilariously said, like, I was expecting they'd recommend a book or something, <laughs> um, but like nothing. They were just told, like, just wow. this assimilate her, like assimilate. That's the word the judge actually used. And it's stuck in my mom's memory. Um, such an interesting choice of words. But um, yeah, basically just assimilate her and everything will be fine. And that is really what they tried to do because they believe these people were experts. Um I think I think within adoption now you hear a lot more about talking about race, talking about culture and celebrating celebrating a child's culture in particular. But I, I mean, we just know like that a lot of people still aren't maybe having the harder discussions because yeah. because they're hard. Yeah. Yeah. So. They are hard. Um, what has it been like to learn about your background and kind of Korean culture in general as an adult? It's been you know, it's just, I wish I could just say like, it's wonderful. And like with no qualifications, it's whenever I do learn something new or experience something or like try to study Korean or try to cook a Korean meal, like I'm very conscious, conscious of the separation between me and this culture. Mm. Um, it took the longest time for those things to not feel like appropriation when I did them. Like I honestly felt for a long time, like I didn't have a right to this. And I, it's not like anyone told me that, like no one ever told me that it was just a very hard feeling to shake. You know, I would be like, am I fetishizing my own like birth culture? Can a person do that? Is that, is that even possible? Um, so I think like it's been good and it's been, it's been really great too, to get to share some of this and learn from like my sister, for example, my biological sister who I'm very close to, but 
like at the same time, I think I'll always feel like a little bit insecure in that identity just from having grown up without it. Right. I wanted to ask about your, um, your experience as a mother, uh, because okay. we we had been commiserating about dealing with sick kids earlier and, mm. um, you know, it, how, how do you kind of handle the challenges of raising children, exploring, you know, your own career while also kind of now having a book come out? I mean, that's, that is a lot to balance. It's never perfect. It's never seamless. And I'm just curious as, as my own, as a mother myself, person who can never get, get anything <laughs> straight. <laughs> how, what's your experience like as a parent? And then kind of to piggyback on that, how have you talked to your kids about your search and your experience as an adoptee? Sure. Um, that's a good question. I feel like as like parents, um, it's like you wake up and the deck's already stacked against you. Like there's already many, many factors working against your like productivity and what you want to get done that day. And I know, I know that's not just true of parents. I know lots of people have lots of other demands on their time and burdens and that sort of thing. But like, of course, like this is my struggle and it sounds like yours. So, um, I don't know. It was, it was difficult. I think it took me a while. A few, I mean, I was a few years into parenthood when I like went back to graduate school part-time to get, um, a degree in writing. And it was something I'd thought about for years and finally decided to do when my youngest was like an infant, <laughs> like curious timing. But I think actually it was partly becoming a parent and my fear of like it being the last slash only thing I ever did that like pushed me to, um, to go back to school, honestly. And also maybe to start pitching and publishing. I think I just felt like I had to do it because part of me was a little bit worried about being completely consumed by this other thing. Um, in terms of how I do it now, like it's changed. My kids are seven and 10, so they're both in school now. Um, so I do have a full-time job and then I, uh, I do most of it while they're gone. The book I have, I wish I had like clear memories of writing this book, like to, I know I wrote it, but like, I don't, <laughs> my, my husband tells me like, there'd be days where, you know, I'd get home from work and you'd be writing and like, we wouldn't talk again until midnight. I was like, oh, okay. And he's like, there'd be days where I would take the kids out on the weekend and you would just stay home and write for hours. And I'm like, all right, that sounds vaguely familiar, but I don't remember like a lot of moments of writing this. It, it, it really, it was just stuff I fit in mostly so in the funny. margins of our life. Um, I should say my husband does like a lot of the parenting. So, uh, like for instance, when I went back to school, he completely took over things like grocery shopping and meal planning and most of the cooking. So I, I have kind of joked, except it's not really a joke that I do work and I do, I do a fair bit of child care and like running them around to things, but like he does almost everything else. <laughs> and you, um, do you, you both know, work full time? Cause yeah, we do you have a full time job do. and he also does as well. Yes, he does. Um, so again, like, I think this life wouldn't have been possible, like when the kids were babies, like, or it was just something that, that ended up happening, um, as they got older and got into school. And can I ask, can I ask you, Nicole, just, I'm, I think we get a lot of questions from listeners about the, um, doling out of the mental load and the, you know, emotional and parenting labor in relationships. And I'm curious how you and your husband, have come to this do you have like do you communicate really well what what are kind of um do you have any tips or advice for people who you know may want to explore going back to school but are currently bearing the you know the load of parenting with their partners i'm just it's it sounds like you guys really have it worked out and i'm wondering if you have any advice on that front 
That's extremely flattering. Thank you. We often feel like we don't have anything worked out. Um, but uh, yeah, I think I think part of it was just part of it was me asserting, okay, this is what I want to do. And prior to my going back to school, he had spent like six years in a PhD program. So like without us actually having to come out and say it, we were both kind of like, it's my turn. Like mm-hmm. um, I remember when we were deciding like where to move after he finished grad school, he was just like, where do you want to go? Like, we're going to go where you want to go and whatever you want to do, we'll make that happen. So it was kind of just a given, um, which doesn't mean it's easy to make it happen. You asked about communication. I think we are both pretty good communicators. Um, We have a younger daughter who has um, like special needs. She's autistic. And so we naturally are in this pattern of doing a lot of daily, weekly, like regular communication just about her needs and her support, how to get her the support she needs at school. So, So like while we're talking to each other, we are also both shouldering that load of regular communication with teachers and special ed staff. Um, and therapists and just making sure everything's like making sure everyone's on the same page and that her needs are really being met. Um, It's like a major concern, obviously, for both of us. It's like among the most important things that we do. So I suppose we had to put in place like very good methods of communication to make that happen for her. Um, And maybe we kind of piggyback onto that with other things. But it's interesting. I I, I I will say sometimes I feel like I'm the worrier. So I am the one who says like, I'm the one who wakes up at 2 a.m. Like, oh my God, like we didn't do this thing and we, we have to do this thing or something bad will happen. Like that is me. And that's always going to be me because I'm the worrier. But um, he does like, it's not like I have to remind him about like school holidays or like early release days at school. It's actually the other way around. Like if he didn't send me an email, I would not get there in time to pick up those kids on early release day. It just would not happen. Like I'd be in the zone at work, like typing emails or editing and like they'd just be standing there waiting. (laughs) So, um, it's interesting. I think, um, yeah, I guess I'm, I'm the like emergencies, like warrior planner and he's really good with the day to day, like every day, this is predictable and we need to plan for this to happen sort of communication. Um, so I don't know. Again, I, I really don't feel like we have like everything all figured out, but I do generally feel we're a good team and it's, it is, it's very hard to get shit done, like in the best of circumstances. So yeah, I'm very, very grateful that we're a good team. Um, I don't think it was necessarily always the case. I think we've been together a long time and we had to learn each other's patterns and needs too, and then figure out how to talk about them. Sorry, this is this is something like really marriage advicey, which I usually don't get into. But um, yeah, it's it's working for now. Sometimes barely, but it's working. That's awesome. No, I I think that's really valuable thoughts on marriage, honestly. And we we do hear from people a lot about communicating in relationships, and we're both in relationships, so we're dealing with it all the time. Yep, yep, and it's not always yeah. easy. Um, well, geez, Nicole, this has been so wonderful to get to talk to you. Thank you so much for making the time. Oh my gosh. Thank you both. I really appreciate your time. Um, thank you so much for reading my book too and talking with me about it. It's so great. Um, everyone should read it. And Nicole, other, I know we mentioned your Twitter at the beginning, um, of the conversation, but where else can people find you? Uh, my website is NicoleChung.net, and um, I have a lot of book and also tour info there. So I'm kind of in the midst of tour, I guess. It's like, it's not quite halfway over, but I have a lot of upcoming events if people are curious about where they can see me. Cool. Um, well, thanks again. No, thank you so much. I had a really good time chatting with you. Okay. Yeah, likewise. Yay. Take care. Bye, Nicole.
Thank you. Bye. So, Kate. Yes. How is your power of positive thinking going? You know, it's interesting. I'm still working on it, Mm -hmm. but I am very conscious right now of the thoughts that are kind of churning around my head. And I have done a lot better job of checking them when they are negative Mm. and gently escorting them to the exit. I love that imagery. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you very much. I did take, I didn't get into AP English class senior year of high school (laughs) and I'm still trying to prove myself. Uh, No, it's, it's helping. I really, I really am. It's going to take a lot of time to improve my self image, both about my inside and outsides, but I am trying and it is feeling better. That's all we can ask for. Thank you, Dory. I'm, you know, what can I say? So Dory, when I got here to your house, I shared an intimate moment with your dog who we've really bonded. You have really bonded. And I asked you how his muzzle training is going. And you said you started it. Yes, I did. Um, And it's going okay. He, he actually like put his whole snout in. Didn't, he's not scared of the muzzle. He, he sees it. And I think he knows that he's going to get a lot of treats. He's very food motivated. Oh my God, this dog. (laughs) He's very cheese motivated. And that's all I give him. So he and I have a very close friendship. We have a stash of string cheese in the fridge that was originally bought because I thought I had a pregnancy craving for it and then decided I didn't. So it has now become Bo's training cheese. Well, he loves it. He loves it. So that has been very useful for the muzzle training. And we're just going to continue it and see how it goes. And that must be helping you feel a little bit more calm as you kind of move throughout the pregnancy and head toward it baby time. Is And, you know, Kate, as I was saying to you earlier off air, it's very heartening to me that Bo feels so comfortable around you now. I'm, it's heartening to me, too. And it is also a testament to your patience and your ability to just work with him because not everyone is willing to do that. So thank you. I really appreciate it. Wow. You are really just coming at me with compliments. I love it. I receive them. Thank you. I love, I love your dog. He and I are close now. And what are you intending on for this week? So my freezer is a disaster. Uh Oh, okay. Like, like full of stuff. Um, it's gotten, you know, it's like, gotten like a uh, frost on it does it have the weird thick ice coating yeah oh man so Sorry it needs life. it needs to be defrosted okay i've never officially defrosted a freezer before i never have either so what i think i'm gonna do is i think i'm gonna put all the food in a cooler okay and then defrost the freezer clean it out maybe put some bins in there inspired by you i love the bins in my freezer my freezer is like another planet now yeah with bins so i need to do a full freezer overhaul and i think if i have strength after that i will also organize my fridge like you i can't tell you how much better i feel having an organized refrigerator and freezer i didn't expect it to make me feel this joyful it's just so much easier. It seems it seems very calming. It is. And it's fun to clean it out. Yeah. We did a big clean out of the fridge in the last couple months. We sold, we threw out a ton of just like really expired stuff. Mm-hmm. So I don't think the actual clean out will be as bad as it could have been. But it does need to be organized. All right. So that's fair. All right. Um, what about you? There are three piles of things in my kitchen and dining area that have now been there for about a month. And every day I'm like, I got to deal with those piles. 
and I don't want to. Mm-hmm. But the piles taunt me every mm-hmm. fucking second of the day. I mean, look around our house. There are piles. There's piles everywhere. So I am committing, and I think it's going to happen this afternoon after I leave you. I'm committing to the piles. The piles are going. They have to go. And it's so much just papers from my kids. Yep. Weird things like the receipt, the exterminator leaves every time he comes and checks mm-hmm. my yard. It's just that. There's yep. a weird fly trap sitting on top of a painting. Oh, it's yeah. just a nightmare. That stuff needs okay. to go. So, and I took a photo. I'm going to document it as I like to do on the gram. Great. So I'll do some pile work for everybody. Sounds great. Well, Dory... That brings us to the end. Here we are. Here we are. Standing together at the end of this episode. Um, just a reminder to all our friends out there, if you want to leave us a voicemail to potentially be played on a mini episode, you may do so at 781-591-0390. And you can email us at forever35podcast at gmail.com. And look, you know the drill. We say it every time. Please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Tell a friend. Talk about us on social media. We love all that stuff. And you can also join our Facebook group at facebook.com slash group slash forever 35 podcast. And there, you know, we always say that there are a ton of spinoffs. There are also starting to be a lot of city specific spinoffs. Yes. A, a Minneapolis or was it Minneapolis? Minneapolis just started. Just started. There's a, a very active Boston one. I know Philly is active. Chicago just started. Um, I think there's a San Francisco one. Texas, we always Austin mention. just started. So, you know, get in there, meet some people from your hometown or wherever you live and talk about Forever 35 things. <laughs> or other things. Or other things, but mostly Forever 35 things. <laughs> just yeah, kidding. Make it about us. Yeah. Um, and a reminder that everything we talk about is always on our website at forever35podcast.com. And you can follow us on Instagram at forever35podcast and on Twitter at forever35pod. And Forever 35 is hosted and produced by Dory Shafrir and Kate Spencer and produced and edited by Sammy Junio. Bye. Bye. Bye.